Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Today on Who's That Star, we have the pleasure of having another Michigander on the show. She is a proud Flint native. We'll have to find out what high school she graduated from later. She earned both her bachelor's and master's degree from MSU. Her master's degree is in public health. She has 10 years of experience in curriculum development and training that includes reviewing, researching, and preparing educational materials for non-credit offerings. Before coming to LCC, she was employed with the state of Michigan. This star says when she's not working, she enjoys spending time with her husband and Golden Doodle Wellington. She's also a big fan of horror movies, Halloween, anything 80s related, and conquering escape rooms. I'm excited to learn more about today's star. So we're going to get our drum roll. Today on Who's That Star, we have Chantel Patton, Adult Enrichment Coordinator for the Lifelong Learning Program. Welcome, Chantel. We're so glad to have you here. Well, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here, too. So what what high school did you go to when you was... Powers. Powers. Okay, because yeah. I used to work in Flint, and I worked in Beecher. Oh, really? Beecher area, so I okay. was familiar with Beecher, Northwestern, and then Southwestern, and a couple other schools, but I was always loved Flint. Because I love the food. Oh, yeah. Flint and it, has the best food and the best people. The best people come from Flint. I always say that. Yeah, my but my daddy, have we got relatives from there. So, yep. Uh, a Flint stone, kind of, <laughs> you know, for those who are not from Michigan, people that live in Flint. Okay, so I want to get started. I want to get to know a little bit about you. Can you tell me who you are and what's important to you right now in life? Okay, well, you know, you kind of already summed me up a little bit. A Flint native, a Spartan twice, go green, go white. All right. Yep, um, I'm excited to be here. Um, I love working at LCC and meeting new people and talking to students. Uh, what's important to me right now has always been my passion is helping people, mm-hmm. especially low-income and minority populations. Those are my passion. Those are my people because being from Flint, right. that's what I was considered. That's how I grew up. So right, yeah. That's what motivates me no I understand that and I when I read that I thought that was um I like that because you really identified that as something that's important to you and so that's on your mind and it's something that you out trying to do to help people so I thank you I like that well I want to know a little bit more about your role here at LCC um what do you do Okay, well, my role is twofold as the Adult Enrichment Coordinator for Lifelong Learning. So on one half, I do all the adult enrichment classes. Mm -hmm. Those are the fun non-credit classes. So like creative welding, concealed pistol, 
Um, also, we had a gift wrapping class this okay. past uh, semester, so okay. things like that. On the other side of it, I also um, go over the motorcycle safety program. Oh, okay. Yep. So people who are interested in learning um, to ride a motorcycle can take our course. Or if you already got some kind of training but need more help, there's a course for you for that. And then we have our advanced rider course for people who already have their endorsement, mm-hmm. may, may be a little rusty, want to learn some new things. So, And that program runs from April to September. So that keeps me busy. See, yeah, I'm totally, <laughs> like, shocked because I didn't even know we had nothing like See, that. That's why I'm so happy to be here so yeah. I can talk about those things. Because, okay, so you got a motorcycle. Uh-huh. You don't know how to ride. Mm-hmm. We come check you out. Correct. Because then you're going to help us. Now, is there certain licensing that you have to have? You to have ride? to have um, a driver's license, of course, to okay. take our class. I but, didn't know. See, yep, I didn't know if you yep. had to. Have to have a driver's license. Um, when you get done, let's say you've never had ridden a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. You take our basic rider course. It's a two-day course. Our coaches are phenomenal. They teach you, like, safety and how to get on and off a motorcycle. You take a test at the end, and oh. you get your endorsement, which you can take to the state of Michigan. Okay. You know, to ride So then they add that, like, to your regular driver's license? Correct. Oh, okay. I yeah. never knew because, see, I, I don't know. I feel some type of way about motorcycles. Like, on one hand, I really feel like, you know, I, I could have that look, right? Right. The look for the motorcycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then as soon as I feel no protection, all that, you know, it goes down the drain. But yep. I'm glad that there's classes like that Absolutely. so people know what they need to do. So now on the other side, you talked about where the fun courses. Yes. How how do people find out about those courses and like what is there just a long range? Is there a list? Does it change? How does that go? I'm glad you asked. These are wonderful questions. So Adult Enrichment actually has its own website through LCC, which is www.lcc.edu slash keep learning. Oh, okay. Okay. And when you go on there, you can see the courses that we have available. They're broken up into different segments like um, creative arts, health and wellness, finance. So whatever you're interested in, you'd click on that category and you can see what classes are available. So say I'm just a regular community member, but I have a skill and I think it's important. Uh Could I facilitate, like, could I work with LCC to try to teach my class? You absolutely could. And that's, that is a wonderful question because right now I am looking to hire adjunct instructors. So if there is a, a niche or a passion that someone is really, really passionate and want to teach people about, mm. definitely check out LCC's um, careers website. You can see the posting. Apply. Wow. Apply. Okay. I, I really, this wasn't a setup question, <laughs> but I just think that's so interesting because there are so many things that, you know, skills that people have that could be worthy and other people would want to learn. So if you guys out there, you know, got a skill, check out the website and do a little research and see if this is for you. Yes, please. Yeah. I think that's, that's the one great thing about a community college because you got so many opportunities to learn so much stuff. So that stuff excites me. Okay. So 
what really lights you up, like makes you excited in your life? Oh my goodness, there are so many different things. But as I mentioned earlier, my passion is low income and minority population. So my dream, my dream is to open my own farm. And with that farm, I want to bring in other minorities who are interested in farming, teaching them farming skills. And I want to go to urban neighborhoods and set up urban farming locations, healthy Lives. That's so important. Yes. I want people to live longer, healthier lives. And um, that's really my passion. And that makes a difference because you, if you are eating right and health is wealth, I it just is. find that as getting older. I, you know, a lot yeah. of stuff money can buy, but it can buy health. Exactly. And so I just, I think that's a great idea. And I think just exposing people is so funny. You talk about that because uh, Head Start. They do a lot of like exposure. So I was a parent in my daughter's Head Start class. Mangoes. Never had mangoes. First time trying it through Head Start. Wow. So I'm saying those type of programs, those type of things get people exposed to different experiences. And I think just like just vegetables. Like a lot of people, a lot of kids nowadays don't eat vegetables. So yeah, I think that's a great job. Exactly. I love that. You got a lot of good, good ideas. I I, I like that. So you got here, how long you been at LCC? I'm still a baby bird. I'm in my 10th month here. Okay. So you haven't made it a year (laughs) yet. Not yet. Not yet. But at least you got here once we got back. Yeah. So you didn't have to figure out and learn people, you know, at home online. Right. So that's a good thing. What did you do before you got here? What type of jobs did you have before? So before, immediately before I came here, I was a public health consultant with the division of HIV and STI programs. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So the bulk of my work was training and facilitating. So (laughs) I trained the people who actually work directly with those living with HIV. Wow. Um, I made sure that they followed the federal guidelines on what they have to tell people and how to treat them. So it was very interesting work. Wow. Okay. Yep. And before that, state of Michigan work as well. The Department of Health and Human Services, I worked um, at the local office, Ingham County. So where you would go to apply for food stamps okay. and things like that. Like yep. assisted payments yep. worker thing? Yeah, I love <laughs> Yeah, we need those. That's a higher job, though. Yes, it is. It is. So yep. we thank you, assistant payments workers out there, if you listen. Yeah, especially my husband. He's one right now. Oh, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because, I, you know, that's a it's a difficult job, but it's needed, you yes, know, for it sure. Is. So, um. Do you live by any piece of advice or a motto? Yes, I do. Take your time and do your best. My mom used to say that to me and my brother every morning before we went to school. I was the type of kid who would get so nervous about taking tests and I didn't want to do bad. Mm -hmm. And she's like, just take your time and do your best. That's all I ask of you. And I just keep living by that. That got me through grad school, undergrad, all of that. So that's my favorite saying or motto. Hey, and, and and it sounds good. You know, take your time and do your best. That's all you can do. That's all you That's can all do. All you can do is your best. Yeah. And after after that, <laughs> right. Rework it. And if you gotta do something else, you take your time and do your best again. Yep. I like that model. So what is your favorite season and why? Oh my goodness, fall. Fall, fall, fall. Listen, I'm a big Halloween. I call it Halloweeny. I'm yeah. a big Halloweeny fan, so 
October the 1st, I decorate the inside and the outside of my house. Um, also, in October, it's Sweetest Day. Uh-huh. Uh, my wedding anniversary is in October. My mom's birthday is in okay. October. The changing of the leaves. Like, I just love October. I love fall. I, yeah, that's more than mine. I like it because it's cooler. Yeah. Like, it's cooling down, and I can layer up and mm-hmm. stuff. I think I think I dress better in the fall. Me too. <laughs> um. I already know this, but I'm going to ask you because it's my favorite question. Mm -hmm. One of them, um, go green, go blue. Go green. Of course. (laughs) I would be like, uh, no, you went to Michigan State. Both. Did you get your, what did you get your undergraduate degree in? Michigan State. I got it from uh, a bachelor's of science in physiology. Okay. Yeah. And then went to the health. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Michigan State, I love Michigan State. What drew you there from Flint? Oh, my goodness. Or did you come from Flint to me? I came from Flint. Um, Honestly, and this is going to sound crazy, Michigan State wasn't even my my first pick. I wanted to go far away. I wanted to go to Texas. Okay. I didn't get accepted. And um, I'm such a a mama's girl anyway, so being that far away from my mom would have drove me nuts. (laughs) Right. So I'm like, I'll go to Michigan State. It's fine. And I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Great school. I did. Yeah, I like, I went there for my um, master's, but I like Michigan State too. Yes. You live in Michigan, (laughs) but okay. Anyway. Um, So this question, I I was funny. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say to this. If you could hire someone to help you, would it be with cleaning, cooking, or yard work? Oh, my husband does all the yard work. So can I have a person do both cooking and cleaning? I would have both too, <laughs> but yeah. If, nope, you got to pick one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, cleaning. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. That's enough said on that. Yeah. But are you a good cook? Uh, I think I am. Okay. I think I am. I don't like to cook. Takes too long. I like to eat. Right. <laughs> Me too. We have a lot in common. You know, this is our first time meeting and um, I'm just super excited because that's one of the best things I like about my doing this show is that I get to just learn so much about people and just how more alike we are than we are different. Yes. And so, yeah. Um, I love to eat. I don't want to cook, but I will. And I would have picked cleaning, too, Mm because, oh, I hate that. What is your proudest accomplishment? Oh, my goodness. I think graduating from college twice. Uh, Being where I'm from and the circumstances surrounding me, being able to do it twice Mm -hmm. is the most thing I'm most proud of for myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's because it's not easy. It's not. <laughs> and you have to have some perseverance and, you know, believe in yourself and follow your mama's uh, motto. Yep, all of that. Because it, it's not, but it's it's doable. Yep. And that's the thing about it. And I think that every time that people are able to see someone do that and make it, that is the proudest moment. Okay, what's one thing? that can instantly make your day better? Hugs from my husband. Okay. <laughs> yes, instantly. That's, no, that's, that's, that, hey, <laughs> enough said. Um, but tell me about 
Wellington. Oh, my goodness. Wellington is a spoiled, um, medium-sized golden doodle. He's so, so smart, but he's so, so hard-headed. He's a mama's boy. If both me and my husband are at home and he needs to go outside, he'll only look at me. He won't go to my husband. If my husband tries to let him out, he'll come sit down and look at me like, no, Ooh. you're going to let me out. Oh, really? Yes, yes, it's my fault. I spoiled him. You spoiled him? Oh, yeah. How long you had him? Oh, my goodness. We got him during the pandemic. Um, so we've almost had him his whole life. See, that's the thing about it. It's like dogs. I found that when they've been in the pandemic, they were home with you guys all the time. 24-7. And now, like, are, is he having adjustments oh, with you? Oh, he's horrible. He li- he loves to put a guilt trip on me. Um, he'll go sit in our living room window and stare out the window <laughs> while I'm bagging out the driveway. <laughs> and you just feel... I feel horrible. Uh, like, why do I feel so bad? He's at home with his dad there, there's no reason for right, me to feel bad but, but he gets me every time and he looks at you like mama why How, why would you leave me here with him you that's know, what he's right. looking like <laughs> that's so funny because <laughs> pets are like that they and are. i just love them because they are they were great companions yeah and um yeah wellington is funny what's your favorite way to unwind <laughs> naps <laughs> oh you're a napper i'm a napper and i don't like 20 minute naps like give me an hour or more because if you wake me up before an hour i'm grumpy you so, have- yeah, oh yeah <laughs> i gotta have a full on hour nap oh my <laughs> that's the do you have any other ways that you like to unwind besides napping oh my husband talks about me and calls me a nerd but i like solving uh, puzzles so li- i have a book of logic problems and I feel like doing that distracts me from mm. whatever I'm upset or worried about. Mm. To me, at that moment, it's important to figure this out and to solve this puzzle. Is it? Could you explain that a little bit to me more? Like, I don't understand. Like, when you say a book of logic problems, yeah. what does that mean? Like, Oh, so, like, they'll give you a scenario. Like, there's five people going to a picnic. From the clues, can you tell which... What time each person arrived, what color shirt were they wearing, and what food item they brought to the picnic. So they'll give you, like, Jim has on a brown shirt, Jerry sat next to Mark. Like, you have to figure out from those clues. From those clues. Yes. Oh, wow. That's hard. (laughs) It is, but I love doing them. Well, yeah, you said, too, that you like um, those escape rooms. Oh, those are my favorite. How did you get into that? Man, I, I can't even remember the first one I went to. I think my friend had introduced me to it. It was during Halloween, and she had saw it was like a haunted corn maze and an escape room. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but okay, let's do it. Right. From that point on, I was hooked. So is it, I, I've always wanted to know, but I've been nervous about escape rooms because I was like, they will eventually let you out. Oh, right? yeah. You're not like. Because I feel a, like I might not be able to escape. No, you're not like padlocked in a room <laughs> oh, okay. or anything like that. Um, most of them, there's like a little code you have to put in to open the door once you solve all the puzzles. Or it's just a regular doorknob that you just open at any point if you feel like you need to get out there's always a button to push and most of the time the people who are running the escape room they're watching you so you can say like hey you know i'm i want to get out if it's freaking you out but you're not trapped in there oh okay cool (laughs) because i was like i thought okay well man if you don't get out i know they're gonna let you out eventually but i was like if this you feel some type of way or if someone had a claustrophobic attack or something but some rooms are like the size of this room i've been in some that are kind of smaller mm-hmm. but it's not like you're in a, a coffin trying okay. to get out yeah we'll have to go to one 
Yeah, I'm gonna, I want to. I want to go to one because I want to see, I like mysteries. And so I want to see if I'm able to figure out, you know, by the clues. I know I'm not going to mess around with the logic books. I'm not, I, that that <laughs> makes my head hurt. But I really do like, um, I was interested in doing that. And then you said that you like scary movies. Oh, yeah. Well, how did you get into that? My mom. My mom is a big <laughs> horror movie person. I remember um, when Stephen King's It came out, like back mm. in whatever, 1980, mm. whatever. She bought the the big hard copy of it, and she read it to me and my brother. And we were so scared, but I'm like, oh, no, read more. Right. So from that, and then we would we watched the movie Still terrified, but I watched it. And that's the way I think that my mom and I bonded over horror movies. Wow, yeah. Because, see, I am, yeah, I'm super <laughs> scared of uh, horror movies. Like, I don't Are watch you? them. And I ended up watching that uh, that movie with Samuel Jackson and, and Chris Rock. It just okay, came out. Yep, uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, this ain't, it was Saw, yeah. the Saw series. Yeah, they called it Spiral or yeah. something. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's Samuel Jackson and Chris Rock, it's not gonna be scary. It was, and it was, and I was like, "You dumb!" <laughs> and I was like, "Why did you watch this?" Because you knew what it was, and I was just, I, I just don't. I stay away from them. My mom made me um, stop watching them. I, I watched Angel Heart. Okay. And Angel Heart had a lot of symbolism in it. Yeah, it did. And and that, and that fan kept going around, and and it was just a whole bunch of stuff. And after that, I said, you know what? Why do this to yourself? So I don't watch it, but I have a lot of people. And my daughter, she loves them. She yeah. loves the horror movies. I think that's funny, though. Okay, well, what's your favorite thing about your current job? And we're going to end this out on a high note. My favorite thing about my job is going out into the community and talking to people. I, I've always been like a social butterfly, uh-huh. so it never um, scares me to talk to people or reach out. So I love going out into the community and finding out what the community's needs are. Well, that's great. I'm glad. We're glad to have you here at LCC. I think, um, one, I learned something new about LCC, which... I knew we had the department, but I didn't really know what it did. And so I'm so glad that you came on to explain that. And then to give our audience an opportunity to know how they can be more engaged with LCC if they have a skill or if they want to learn a new skill, they can come to the department. Tell me your department again. I am with Lifelong Learning, which is under the Division of Community Education and Workforce Development. Big, long one. Seaweed is what we call it. Seaweed. Okay. (laughs) Yep. All right. And and you got a great boss. I do. Nancy is the bee's knees. If you've never met Nancy Dietrich, you're missing out. I'm She's gonna try best. to get her <laughs> to come on here too because I think Nancy's great and um she was one of my first bosses when I got on campus. So, really? Yeah. I wow. have a special affinity to her. So But Chantel, I thank you again for coming on Who's That Star? And audience, I look forward to talking to you again soon. You take care and have a great day. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A. And you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star? And other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star?
examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. Have you had to choose between picking up a prescription or buying groceries, paying your utility bill, or insulating your attic? You're not alone. Every day, people across Michigan are faced with choices. Michigan Community Action is a network of agencies helping people achieve greater financial and personal independence through programs such as weatherization, food distribution, utility assistance, and Head Start preschools. The programs supported by Michigan Community Action benefit people all over the state. Maybe you've just lost your job and are having trouble making ends meet. Or maybe you're retired and Social Security isn't enough. Whatever your situation, we may be able to help. Visit michigancommunityaction.org or call 855-MI-ACTION to find out more. Helping people. Changing lives. Sponsored by Michigan Community Action and Michigan Broadcasters. Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan Reconnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. Reconnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu reconnect for more information. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. From Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect, and this is Land Stories, with me, David Seawick. Each episode explores a different topic, such as the people, business, neighborhoods, communities, buildings, and other phenomena that make up the history of our college and our region. We tell stories, and in doing so, we connect the past to the present. Several years ago, I was asked by Lansing Community College to put something together for a walking tour of the campus. And being a person that likes walking, and also somebody who at that point had taught history with a pretty good local focus uh, when and where possible for a number of years at the college, I got really excited at this. I thought, wow, this would be a great opportunity to throw a little bit of history into a tour of the beautiful campus of Lansing Community College in downtown Lansing. And so about the same time, I happened to come upon an archive of what turned out to be about 9,000 photographs that had been scanned in to the college by our marketing department. At that time, a few years prior to my endeavor to embark upon an information piece for a more formal tour of the college campus. And one of the things I discovered in looking through those archive photos was not only how the college campus had grown through the years in its location in downtown Lansing, 
But also, there's a real sense that came through in looking at those photos that the growth of Lansing Community College's campus, which has really been from basically about 1960, mid-1960s on, was part and parcel to a lot of the overall changes that were happening in downtown Lansing at the time. And those changes, in turn, were part of broader trends across the state, across the nation. So in this episode of Land Stories, we're going to look at the history of Lansing Community College, the physical presence of it, right in downtown Lansing. And in doing so, let's look at a couple of the interesting points that come into mind when it comes to where Lansing Community College's campus development fit into some broader trends of the time. And the two trends I'm referring to specifically, one of them is a local trend, and that is the change in downtown Lansing during the, we'll call it the third decade of the post-war era. So that would be from the mid-1960s on. And then second of all, that's tied into urban renewal. Urban renewal being more than just the buzzword, but it tied into a lot of federal programs and state programs in the United States, beginning really in the late 1950s, that Lansing Community College would ultimately be substantially impacted by. The history of the college starts really in 1957. Lansing Community College was started as a vocational technical school, which a lot of the community colleges, not only in Michigan, but across the United States were. And its founding goes back to April of 1957, and part of it is the endeavor of the recently deceased Philip Gannon. Dr. Philip Ganning is the founding president of Lansing Community College, and the work that he put into the founding of that college really started while he was a graduate student at nearby Michigan State University. And, and Dr. Gannon had an absolute fascinating life and left his impact on really the mid-Michigan community and I would argue the state as a whole on countless numbers of lives, actually, in terms of all those folks that were fortunate enough to attend Lansing Community College and earn certificates and degrees and accomplish transfer programs while they were there that, you know, few people actually have, I think, in the grand scheme of things uh, in life. And, and that's really one of the things that makes the, the founding of a college, this is what Dr. Gannon was part of, is something that's so remarkable. But 1957 is the year that Lansing Community College started a presence in downtown Lansing because, as we will see, Lansing Community College has been in downtown Lansing in one form or another, and it's been a pretty big form since the college was founded. So 1957, where did Lansing Community College exist in 1957 in its founding? And, well, the answer to that question takes us to Capitol Avenue. So imagine for a moment you're standing with me on Capitol Avenue in 1957, and the part of Capitol Avenue you're standing on is the 500 block, and you're staring at this red-colored building, red brick building, that has floor-to-ceiling windows and occupies the better part of an entire city block, and that block is bound by going clockwise, Shiawassee Street to the south, Seymour Street to the west, Genesee Street to the north, and Capitol Avenue to the east, which is where we're standing in our imaginary look at 
downtown Lansing in 1957. And the building we're staring at was the first building built by the Lansing Public Schools for use as a high school. And it was built way back in the 1870s. And in fact, that building itself came to be known as Old Central. It, by itself, will be a focus of a subsequent episode of Land Stories. So keep on tuning in to when our program is broadcast and when it's archived in podcast format. And you will uh, definitely be interested when we get that show up and running here in a little while. But for now, we're going to look at 1957. And the building that we are staring at right now, even though it was built in the 1870s, by the time 1957 rolls around, it really looks nothing like it did at the time. And for those of you who are wondering right now, well, I think he might be talking about the same building I remember as Old Central. Well, indeed, you're correct. I am. And for those of you who have been around Lansing for a while, uh, you know Old Central well. It was the building that Lansing Community College started in, and indeed, it's because that was an educational institution in its very physical form, the building itself, that big red brick building that stood there that was around at the time that Lansing Community College was able to use it to hold its first classes, and it had an a administrative presence in there as well. Now, that building, again, it looked a lot different than it did when it was built in the 1870s. And by the time Lansing Community College got a hold of it, the main differences were mostly a result of a substantial remodel and expansion of that building that the Lansing Public Schools had done way back in the beginning part of the 20th century. Lansing Community College did some more remodeling of that building. And that building uh, and the college's acquisition of it outright in the 1960s is very much the foundation by which Lansing Community College would come to expand throughout the downtown Lansing area. Now, let's look across the street then from that Capitol Avenue building. And again, we'll step back in time in our imaginary time machine and we will focus on 1957 as we're looking to the other side of Capitol Avenue, that would be the east side. We see some old houses that line the street a couple of which are still on Lansing Community College's campus, one of which is the Rogers Carrier House, the other which is the John Herman House. The Rogers Carrier House is a red brick building with sort of the color of tarnished copper uh, wood ornamentation on the uh, front and side gables, as well as some of the window trim of the building. And it is a Darius Moon architectural gem in downtown Lansing. Darius Moon was a very well-known architect in the Lansing area. He designed a number of historic properties in the area. Probably the most famous house that he designed, unfortunately, doesn't stand anymore. That was the mansion that Ransom Eli Olds had built for his family in the heyday of his pioneering automobile industry contribution that he made through the founding of the Olds Motor Vehicle Works, which really became Oldsmobile, and then the longest legacy he had in Lansing would be in the form of the real motor car company, which existed in one form or another till the 1970s, and now the building that we call the Bolgi Tower in downtown Lansing. Well, that was a Ransomy Olds financed construction back in the late 1920s, early 1930s. But the building we're looking at right now, designed by Darius Moon, for... H.M. Rogers, who was a local realtor, 
he had that house constructed in 1891, and it was used uh, by the college after it acquired it in 1967, furiously as a bookstore, as a location of the college foundation office, and also as the location of offices for faculty and staff in the college campus. That house that's still on Lansing Community College's campus, as well as the house next door to it, the John T. Herman House, these are going to be the focal point for the remaining part of our radio walking tour of the campus. So we're going to walk a little bit further south, right next door actually, to the John T. Herman House. We go, and it is right next door to the Rogers Carrier House. The Herman House was built just a couple years after the Rogers Carrier House, built in 1893, and John T. Herman, of whom the house takes its name from, was a local tailor. He ended up having a, a very prominent role in the Lansing business community at the time, is well known, and the construction of his house tells us that he did quite well with his business endeavors. That house was acquired by the college about the same time that the Rogers Curier House was acquired, both in 1967, and just as the case with the Rogers Curier House in the 1980s, Lansing Community College students, as well as local contractors, worked on restoring the house. It was designated as a historical site in 1987, and then the house more recently has had some necessary renovations done to it as well to keep it standing, and it currently stands as the house that the Lansing Community College president lives in. And I like to think of that house as sort of the kind overlooking property of the area, and Perhaps it sounds a little bit odd to affix a emotional quality such as kind to a house, but it just has a stately look to it. It faces Capitol Avenue, and behind it sits the Shigematsu Memorial Gardens, as well as the rest of Lansing Community College's campus, and it therefore serves as a nice gateway into the beautiful college campus. So, carrying on with our radio walking tour, we are going to walk onto the property of the John T. Herman House. We're going to walk around the south side of it, and we're going to enter into the property through the beautiful Shigematsu Memorial Garden. That memorial garden was built in the first decade of the current century, and it is named in honor of some folks that were involved in a program that Lansing Community College once had with a business and educational institution in Shiga Prefecture in Japan. Shiga is the sister state, if you will. They're called prefectures in Japan, but roughly the same equivalent as a state in the United States, to the state of Michigan. It's a beautiful garden. And if you're ever on Lansing Community College's campus, I strongly encourage you to take a stroll through it, especially in the summertime when the koi are swimming around in the pond, when there's a nice little gentle breeze blowing through the garden, and it is a very pleasant place to spend a few moments contemplating. The connection of the natural world with humanity's never-ending attempt to, in some way or another, influence it. From that point on, we are going to walk a little bit to the east, not much, just a couple hundred feet, 
and we're going to encounter the first major construction project that Lansing Community College endeavored to embark upon on the college's campus. And that would be the Arts and Sciences Building, which was built in the 1960s. This is really where the overall picture of Lansing Community College's campus takes place in terms of taking the shape that it would now and being impacted by those two broader state and national trends that I mentioned towards the beginning of our episode here. One would be the changes in the development of downtown Lansing throughout the 1960s and beyond, what I think we can definitely consider to be part of a national trend, which is urban renewal. And in fact, it's the construction of the Arts and Sciences Building, the time frame that it happens in, why it was put where it was, and why it ended up looking like it did, actually, that in many ways tells the story of Lansing Community College's role in Lansing and in Michigan in the 1960s. And we're going to have to take our story back a little bit to Dr. Philip Gannon, as I mentioned a few moments ago in our episode here. Gannon was the president of Lansing Community College at the time the Arts and Sciences Building was constructed in the late 1960s. And just a couple years before the construction of the Lansing Community College Arts and Sciences Building was nearing completion, the state of Michigan passed one of the most important pieces of legislation that it had ever passed. And that would be the Community College Act of 1966, Act 331 of 1966. This is a very important act because what it did is it enabled community colleges to organize themselves into districts that were funded by a combination of property tax millage, just like a public school district is, as well as tuition and other state and federal monies, just like a university is. And as the funding sources for community college was and still is, a blended model between how a public K-12 school district is financed and how a university is financed, so was the case with the blended model of governance that the Community College Act in 1966 authorized. So community colleges in Michigan are very much governed and funded as a blend of the model that the K-12 districts in the state use, as well as the model by which universities use. And that makes our community colleges here in Michigan a really unique asset that we have. They are community assets, and they are funded by the community that they exist in, and the community writ large when you look at the availability of students to attend those colleges and pay tuition, as well as the state and federal funding that they receive. But the reason why I'm mentioning this act right now is because when the Community College Act of 1966 was passed, it caused the community colleges that were already in existence at the time, such as Lansing Community College, to reorganize their governance structure along the same lines that this act enabled them to do so. And that meant the election of new boards of trustees and the uh, administration of the funds through these various funding sources. So out of that, the Lansing Community College Board of Trustees is looking at its enrollment in the 1960s 
and it decides that it's time to build a new instructional building on the campus. And that building ultimately took form as the Arts and Sciences Building, and construction of that building was nearly complete by the time we get to 1968. But the context by which that building eventually takes its shape in is the really crucial part to the story in many ways. And as I mentioned again towards the beginning of the episode, the construction of the Arts and Sciences Building is a good thing to focus on because in many ways, the building itself is kind of a microcosm of what was going on at the time. Downtown Lansing, by the time we get into the 1960s, was undergoing some of the same challenges to other downtowns throughout the United States, not only in cities the size of Lansing, but cities that were also smaller and those that were much larger. In the 1960s, to make probably the most important point in somewhat of an overly simplistic summary, it was the time of suburbanization. I should say the expansion of the time of suburbanization, which has actually started, well, even before the Second World War, but really we generally associate with that starting in the 1950s and then continuing right on through the 1960s and beyond. So 1966, when the Community College Act is passed in Michigan, we're very much at the height of this trend towards suburbanization. And if you look at where most community colleges ended up building at this time, they built out in the suburbs. And Lansing Community College, had history worked out a little bit differently, might have ended up that way. But the college leadership at the time ended up doing something that was really quite remarkable. When the college realized that their enrollment figures and the projected enrollment figures for the coming years and perhaps even the coming decades was going to necessitate that the college put together a strategic master plan of what its future would look like, including its physical plant. In other words, the buildings, the other physical assets that make up the college campus was to be located. The college decided to send a survey out to the residents of what would become the community college district. And in that survey, they asked residents of the Lansing area, the mid-Michigan area, to choose from a series of proposed or possible locations that the college would be able to build a campus at. One of the options in that survey was downtown Lansing. The college at the time was operating in some buildings that already existed in the area that is the college campus now, but had reached the point where it needed to really build a campus of its own rather than acquiring buildings that were already there that weren't necessarily purpose-built for what the college was going to use them for. So the survey went out to residents of the area, and the most common selection that the people who took the survey made out of all the options that were given to them was to keep the college in operation where it already was in the buildings, and that is in downtown Lansing. So at the time when you had community colleges being built or expanding out in the suburbs, I think of places like Oakland Community College, Macomb Community College, Kalamazoo Valley Community College, uh, just to name a, a few of more that I could offer, 
Lansing Community College ended up expanding its footprint right in downtown Lansing. And it's the process of that expansion that brings Lansing Community College and its physical presence into line with a couple other trends that were going on at the state and national level at the time. At the state level or the local level, downtowns were undergoing a dramatic change during this time period. Prior to the Second World War, for example, most of the retail districts in communities were in the main streets or street corridor in the downtown area. And so Lansing, for example, had its main shopping district or retail district that went up and down Washington Avenue, Washington Square as it's called in places, right in downtown Lansing. And what happens is, is after the Second World War, the United States falls deeply, madly, probably permanently in love with this thing called the automobile. Of course, the automobile had been around for quite some time by then. The first automobiles were experiments by uh, European inventors in the latter part of the 1800s, and then American inventors about the same time, a little bit thereafter. And by the time we get into the 19-teens and the 1920s, we have giant industrial corporations like Ford Motor Company, General Motors, to name but a few, that have built the automobile into a really, really important consumer product. After the Second World War, prosperity was the name of the game in the United States. It was not a prosperity that everybody shared in, economically speaking, but nonetheless, enough people did that the consumer purchase of the automobile proliferated. And cars need roads to drive on. And when people have automobiles that they want to use for doing things like shopping, there has to be roads that go to those stores, and there has to be places to park those cars. So in Lansing... During this time period, the 1950s and into the 1960s, the retail corridor that had been Washington Avenue or Washington Square in downtown Lansing for a long period of time starts to be abandoned for the suburbs or places that aren't quite out in the suburbs but are getting kind of close. In Lansing, the Frandor Shopping Center is built in the late 1950s, named after one of the major post-World War II property developers in the area, a gentleman by the name of Francis Kaur. And the Francis Kaur company is who developed Frandor, and it's called Frandor because Francis Kaur and Doris Kaur, Francis's wife, is who that shopping center is named after. And this isn't a history of Frandor, but the reason why I mention this is because the draining of the retail corridor in downtown Lansing had a profoundly transformative effect on the city. And it is out of this that downtown Lansing is faced with something of a real turning point in contemplating what it's going to look like in the next 10, 20, 30, or 40 years. Communities across the state and across the nation face the same contemplative moment. And this is partially where urban renewal comes into the picture here. Urban renewal is a terminology that is used to describe a variety of projects that were done in the post-World War II era with the 
uh, expressed intent of renewing or in some way redeveloping urban environments that had fallen on hard times or were deemed to be under some sort of distress due to changing economic conditions, such as, for example, the draining of retail corridors away from central city districts, such as Washington Square and downtown Lansing, and out into more suburban outlying areas. So it is out of this broader picture, then, that the residents of the Lansing Community College District selected downtown Lansing to be the place by which Lansing Community College would expand. And the first major project to be part of that expansion is indeed the Arts and Sciences Building, which was built in the late 1960s. And as I'm recording this episode, I am staring at what is an absolutely fascinating picture, and I shall do my best to describe to you what it looks like. I'm looking at a picture of the Arts and Sciences Building under construction in 1968. It is a lovely color photograph that captures the life in a day, if you will, a moment in time in a way that good photography, be it be good because of the technique at which the photographer utilized, or good because of the subject matter that it covers, or both, is something that oftentimes does this. And in the lower left-hand corner of this lovely photograph, there is a sign. The sign is indicating the construction project, what financed it, and what was going on. And it is a, a moment in time that is captured that shows, well, it shows funding that is being used to pay for the building. It shows local contractors that were hired to construct the building. And it also shows vehicular traffic able to move through what is now the pedestrian mall in downtown Lansing. And the Arts and Sciences building abutted Washington Square, Washington Avenue. Now, it's hard to imagine walking through the campus of downtown Lansing, which is very much pedestrian-friendly and not intended for the automobile to go through. In fact, one cannot drive a car legally uh, unless it's for purposes of construction or, say, the police officers that drive their cars around it. The Washington Mall through Lansing Community College's campus. That was close to pedestrians in the mid-1970s when another major development in Lansing Community College's campus came about. Back to our photo. The Arts and Sciences building is nearly complete in this photo in 1968. The construction sheds that were built over the sidewalks, both on the Shiawassee Street side, that would be the south elevation of the building, and the Washington Square side, that would be the east elevation of the building, are still there in this photo. But the concrete and brick facade that is nearly unchanged now in the year 2022 from what it was back then has completely taken form. The building's windows have been installed, its roof is in place, and it is nearly ready to embark upon its position as the anchor of 1960s and into the future redevelopment of downtown Lansing and the outward forward-thinking progress that that building came to symbolize as part of Lansing Community College's growth and development into the future. Next time you're walking through 
downtown Lansing? Take a stroll on the Lansing Community College's campus. Notice the, by now, 140 years of history that the buildings in that campus encompass. Stand on the corner of Shiawassee Street and Washington Square. Look up at the Arts and Sciences Building and imagine what the future in 1968 looked like. Not only for those who were working on the finishing touches of the construction project, but also for the students. The students at Lansing Community College in an endeavor to make their future a better place and what that building says about what that future ended up being. You've been listening to Land Stories with me, David Seawick. For more information on this program and to stream past episodes, visit lccconnect.org. LCC Connect is the official home of the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College, offering hours of original and exciting programming. Hosted by faculty, staff, and community members, LCC Connect explores our college's work in the community, important topics in higher education, and our vision for the future. Catch the vibe on 89.7 FM or online at lccconnect.org. Until next time, remember, keep telling good stories. We're celebrating one year of LCC Connect, Lansing Community College's first podcast platform dedicated to keeping you connected with LCC and your community. Catch the vibe by visiting us at lccconnect.org and then click on the Celebrate tab to check out photos, videos, and find out how you can get involved. We are LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. The University Center at Lansing Community College collaborates with five four-year universities to provide easy transfer pathways for more than 30 bachelor's degrees programs. Visit lcc.edu slash uc to learn more. Come on, Dad. I'm running circles around you. (laughs) I know, sweetie. Dad's not very fast these days. What about yesterday? Were you fast yesterday? No, not... Or the day before that? I, I was... Or the day before that? Actually, I, I wasn't ever really fast. Hard to believe, I know. <laughs> Kids are special. Let's treat them that way. That's okay. When I was little, I wasn't fast either. Now I'm fast, so you'll be fast tomorrow. That's how it works. Now come on. At St. Baldrick's Foundation, we want kids to be kids. Not just during trips to the park, but when they need us most. When they need help fighting cancer. That's why the advanced research we fund is specifically designed to help children. (laughs) I'm pooped after all this. Dad, you're supposed to do that in the bathroom. (laughs) Support St. Baldrick's and childhood cancer research today by going to stbaldrick's.org and getting involved. Lansing Community College's downtown and west campus offer newly renovated conference and event spaces that can accommodate over 500 attendees. Professional event planners are available to guide you through your experience from setup to catering. LCC offers convenient locations, state-of-the-art technology and hybrid meeting capabilities, in-house catering, free event parking, and on-site customer service. For more information about LCC's conference and event spaces or to request a rental quote, 
please contact LCC's conference services at lcc-events at lcc.edu. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.